Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss organizational culture, the impact of the social justice movement, and even more is Nick Barlidge, President of Business Operations for the Cleveland Cavaliers and Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Welcome, Nick, and thanks for joining us. Jim, thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to, to diving in and to talking about some pretty important topics within our industry right now. Likewise, since you are in a, in a senior leadership position, I'm assuming part of your, your role is creating and, and sustaining a, a positive corporate culture and, and how critically important that's become for, obviously, businesses of all types and, and including sports organizations. But I'm wondering specifically, what has been the impact of the events of 2020 on organizations and, and how has it really changed the stewardship of corporate culture? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, namely culture is something that's incredibly important from our chairman, Dan Gilbert, throughout all of our family of companies and, and to us here um, at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Lake Erie Monsters, the Canton Charge and our, and our esports team, Cavs Legion GC. And, you know, it's, it's definitely changed. It's evolved. It's something that as we think about how we entered into this back on March 11th or March 12th, I'm extremely proud of how our team has responded. You know, you kind of really understand the metal and the wherewithal of a team when they're faced with, faced with adversity more than the times that are, that are a little bit easier. And, and I would just say I'm, I'm really proud of how connected our group has become. I think communication has been something that's even actually grown through all of this. And I think we've become more connected as a group and we've, we've definitely put out a decent amount of tactics and strategies to really make sure that we're employing connectivity and, commu- and over communication through times like this, because you no longer have that human interaction that human touch point that you, that you so long for, you're so used to uh, within a normal office setting. And so, you know, whether we've, we've been doing weekly town halls as an entire company virtually, we've been doing, you know, our senior leadership group meets every morning from nine to 10 a.m to really set the course for each day because everything is just, everything's happening so quickly and changing so quickly. We've really placed a priority and emphasis on, emphasis on communication. And I think it's, it, it's made us, it's made us better in certain areas. There's no doubt. I, I will say after, you know, geez, eight months of doing this, eight months actually as of today, Amazing. there's some fatigue that's setting in and we can't wait to get back into normal. And even as we've opened our offices and we have 20% of our capacity here every single day, you know, I, I make it a point to walk the offices at least twice a day and just say hi to people that are here 
because I feel like it's so important for people just to see each other and, and you can't place enough value onto that. But I will say, you know, this, this moment in time, you can either treat it like an opportunity or you can, or you can take, or you can, or you can treat it like a challenge. And we've really treat, treated it like an opportunity for us to get better, to be more efficient, to be more connected. And it's something we're proud of. It's, it's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely, you know, I feel like whatever, no matter what cards you're dealt, it's about playing the best hand. And, and I feel like we've, we, we've done that as we've tried to manage and operate through the, through the last eight or nine months. It sure sounds like it. And, and, and to me, it, it really does seem like 2020 will have obviously a lot of legacies, but, but on the positive side, it sounds like, you know, some of the things that we may have taken for granted in 2019 in terms of that kind of communication and, and team building and, and all of that, you know, we really learned to, to value that and, and perhaps some of the, the new ways of, of, uh, of communicating and, and, and building community and all of that will, will stick with us post, uh, post the pandemic. You know, look, I think there'll be some things that absolutely stick. And I think there'll be some things that'll make us better as humans, as operators, as businesses. I can tell you we'll be a lot more efficient. Um, I also think, you know, personally, people will have hopefully taken the time at home to, to really build upon their, their personal relationships that they have that may bleed over into professional relationships. And so I think, you know, the theme for us is how do we attack the situation? How do we treat it for the opportunities that it is and not the challenges that it presents? And I think if you look at it that way, no matter what you're up against, you can find silver linings. And I've said this to our group since this thing started. You look, our business is different. What's winning and losing on the business side of, of, of a team right now is different than it's ever been. But if you can find your silver linings and you can live in them, you can, you can really allow yourself to maximize the situation and continue to work through and minimize risk. And some of this stuff is, is, is out of our control, but you focus on what you can control and the effort and energy that we, that we bring every single day. And I think you, you start to see some momentum. And now as we look at you know, an NBA season right around the corner, starting December 22nd, we couldn't be more excited about the fact that we're here. And it's a lot of the planning and the work and the preparation that we've done since we've been shut down back in March that's allowed us to have confidence to operate in a very unconfident situation or a very uncommon or very uneven terrain that we're all dealing with right now. That's great. And, and I like that term a lot, forced evolutions. And, and I want to come back to that in a little bit. But, but first, I wanted to uh, talk about one of those uh, things that was beyond uh, our control, kind of an external factor that, that really came into play this year. And that, of course, is the rise of the social justice movement. And I know you're particularly proud of, of some of the steps that uh, the Cavs took to help create unity in, in Cleveland and, and the surrounding areas there. But you also, I understand, had some blowback uh, on, on the local level to those to those efforts, not necessarily fans, but businesses and, and things like that. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and just how, how you and, and the organization handled that? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we're incredibly proud to be a part of a league that's led by Adam Silver that's progressive in its nature. And really, dis- it really takes issues like this and moments like this and movements like this. And we, we lead from the front um, with, the, with our actions and, and with how we try to make an impact. And so, um, first, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud as to how we've operated through all of this as a league. You know, as a team, we were one of the first teams in professional sports to hire a full-time executive at a diversity, inclusion, and engagement level, um, gentleman, by the name, gentleman by the name of Kevin Clayton. It's been amazing. You know, Kevin's been with us now for over a year and a half, so well before the George Floyd situation happened. And the transformation we've had as an organization as we prioritized the work of diversity and inclusion has been incredible. The, the, the degree of authenticity that it's breeded 
than our team members and how we connect with our community has has been really special. And I think you can't put a you can't qual you can't quantify that in dollars and cents perspective. It just it it gives you such an amplification and such a halo effect that it puts us in a strong spot. So when George Floyd happened, to say we were prepared would be would be ill-fated. We were not prepared. I don't think anybody was prepared. But what we were was we were generally aware. And and that awareness allowed us to roll very quickly into, okay, how do we educate ourselves? How do we educate our team members? And then ultimately, how do we educate our community? And as we transition through that education phase, I'd say right now we're more in the transitioning into the action phase of how can we influence reform? How can we influence policy? How can we work with our local officials and state officials to really be a part of a positive change? And look, you know, you're going to see blowback in anything that's divisive, right? This is a very divisive situation that we're all living in. And I think what I, what I tell a lot of people is, look, if, if you can't get with equality and you can't get with humanity and you cannot get with education, then we've got a problem. Then, then we probably, you know, we'll probably settle our differences. But at the end of the day, that's really what this movement is about. It's about creating a level playing field for everybody in society. It's about recognizing that we've, we have a set of people within our community that are dealing with systemic racism and have for a really long time. And we've got to do better. You know, and as, as a person who's a, who's a white male in a leadership position within an organization, within any organization, I have to do better. You try to say, hey, how can we unite? And I think the one thing that I get really excited about in the world of sport is sport has always been able to be this melting pot of people, of backgrounds, of race, of gender, of age. Doesn't matter, but if you are a fan of a sports team, you be, it becomes a very, very, you know, I'll call it almost opaque experience because you want to root for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do you want to root for your favorite NBA team or NFL team or whatever the case may be is? And so let's use that power to unite, to create positive change. And so we were one of the first teams in the league and cities actually in the league to form a three-team alliance between ourselves, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Indians. It's something we're very proud of. It's something that's focused in major temples are on education, police reform, and, and, and voting because it was, you know, it was very timely this year given the election. And that's going to be something we're going to continue to build on with the other teams here in Northeast Ohio. But as an organization, we feel it's our, it's our point in time to once again educate, you know, drive drive equality, and ultimately lift up humanity. And I think if we can really focus on those things and people can let the, the, the divisiveness of, this, of, of the different narratives that are out there right now and really focus on the movement, that's where we're going to see a lot of incredible impact and a lot of incredible change. And I think you're already starting to see some of it within our society. And the thing I told our group from the very beginning when this first started, we have to classically condition our minds to never forget how we felt back in the spring. And if we can classically condition our minds to never forget, we're going to continue to chip away at this thing, brick by brick by brick. And ultimately, we're going to be in a spot where we lay a strong foundation that we can launch off of as a society um, that's ultimately going to make us better. Amen to everything you just said, and and particularly in terms of all of us uh, doing better. And particularly interesting to note, you, you talked about being in the education phase and then moving into the action phase. And and I think that's and and later on just said you know about not kind of forgetting how we felt back in back in June um, because I think that's there's that temptation to think okay well we've moved beyond that now but we haven't at all you know there's a lot of work to be done so it, 
can we expect to see as, as part of the action kind of some some tangible steps in, in, along those lines as the season gets underway? Yeah, you know, the league, once again, is, is fantastic. And they form not only a foundation that all the owners have committed a million dollars a year annually for 10 years. So a $300 million commitment to economic empowerment within black and brown communities. On top of that, they've also uh, formed a, a social justice coalition that's a combination of players our commissioner and and governors from teams. And so you will see this drumbeat continue. I will say for us locally here in Northeast Ohio, we are very sharply pointed towards the digital divide. It's a passion of our our chairman, Dan Gilbert, and his his wife, Jennifer, in Detroit and something we're bringing here to Cleveland, you know, and really trying to close that gap relative to education and resources for people that don't have them. That's going to be a huge focus of ours, as well as, you know, some, some things in police reform in a positive way that I think everyone could really be focused on. An accountability system across the state of Ohio that just creates transparency to certain things. And, and so as you think about those kind of things, that's ultimately that's kind of our next phase of this. You know, we, we were a voting registration site as a venue at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. And then we were also a polling location here on the on election day. So We've really tried to every tranche and every step of the way here, try to transform our platform to be kind of a community center of sorts for Northeast Ohio and restore the heartbeat of our great community as we look to climb out of this pandemic. And, and you know, we're excited about what we can do, but the work is just getting started. Obviously, there, when business and organization kind of wades into areas that are controversial, you know, not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to see it the same way. I talked about that blowback. In terms of, do you have a general approach about whether it's, do we really try and persuade those people to, to, to see why, why we're doing this? Or is it more like, you know what, there's going to be naysayers out there and we just kind of have to ignore that. We know we're doing the right thing and we're just going to kind of move ahead and, and not really worry about those other voices. If we just cast these people off or these perspectives off, all we're doing is creating a greater divide within our society. And so what we've really tried to do is get out there and meet people where they are, listen to them. And that really, it really falls into that edu- education bucket. You know, once you really into it and you educate people on what we're doing and you let them know, like really at the end of the day, when you boil this all down, it boils itself down to equality, humanity, and education. It really starts to just create this, it, it almost creates this dissolving factor or this dilution factor of emotion that allows them to really start to understand. I'm not going to say they're always going to agree. I'm not going to say that at the end of the day, we get off the phone call and we're perfectly aligned walking in a, in a harmonistic fashion. Sure. We're, we're not always. We're not, and I'm not going to pretend like we are. But what I will say is we have a lot better chance to bring them on this journey with us than just to cast them away. And at the end of the day, the degree of divisiveness or the degree of the divide is that much closer to coming together than it is from splintering apart. And, and I think that's really got to be a focus of people because I've seen some people that are in pretty powerful positions add to that divide. And, and, and I understand there's a passion behind it. I understand there's emotion behind it. But I would, I, what I would just say is we, we only do ourselves, we, we only worsen our society if we try to further that divide. And I'm not saying people are trying to do that deliberately in what they're doing. I'm just saying our approach has been, let's get out there and let's meet these people where they are 
and let's listen to them. And then let's try to just explain our situation and explain where we're headed and explain what we're doing in a very humanistic and very normal and understood fashion. And then if they still decide to opt out or they're still vehemently against us, you know what? I don't know if we're going to change those folks, but I will tell you in almost every single conversation, they've said, Hey, you know what? Nick, I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys a chance because I like what I'm hearing and I, I agree with what you're saying. And, and I think it's, it comes down to the spirit of how you really try to approach it at the end. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it sounds like you're just really leading from respect. And I think that, you know, people see that in that kind of a communication. And like you said, even if at the end of it, there's not total disagreement, there's at least a, an appreciation for, for both both parties and, and, and appreciation on, on somebody who's talking to you that, well, I was heard and and I was listened to. And, and that's very, very important and, and not divisive at all. So I really appreciate that. So just to go back and, and kind of wrap up with the idea of, of those forced evolutions throughout you know, a lot of aspects of, of life and, and, and speci- specifically in, in sports and some of the operational changes that uh, will result from having gone through the, the pandemic this year. Can you share some of those that, uh, that you're looking at? You know, again, obviously looking at a new season starting pretty soon. So what, uh, what, what can fans and, and those who would be walking through the doors of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse expect that it'll be, that'll be different? A lot of the things that we're focused on right now and have been for quite some time, candidly, are you know things that live in the digital space, things that live on second screens, things that live on third screens, for that matter, things that you know um, are overlays onto an experience that may add a value proposition that hasn't normally existed, i.e. sports betting, i.e. you know gamification within a game and, and just different engagement points. And so what I, what I think you'll see is you, you'll see the rate of adoption move a lot faster there. It already started to when you were, when you were watching the bubble, honestly, and, and the league. And I give them, once again, a lot of credit here because they've been, they've been fantastic. If you look at their over-the-top product that they've created through League Pass on, on a second screen, it is, it's fantastic. You know, there's polling in-game. There's different statistics you don't normally get to see. You can get different versions of what you want. You can customize your experience. And so you're going to see that that rate of evolution just continue to trickle itself out, not just within the league, but I think you'll see it within local broadcasts and national broadcasts here in the near future. I think in venue are things like contactless um, payments, contactless ticketing. And if you think about it, it's, it's interesting, Jim, you know, I mean, five, six, seven, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that years ago the paper ticket was a really hard thing for people to part ways with. And now people have really parted ways with it and they're moving into this mobile ticketing or this, you know, this, this mobile first ticketing model. We've been very fortunate. We've been doing this for for quite some time. You're going to just see a whole nother level of that take off. And it's really going to, you know, it's, it's, I hate to say that it's going to force fans because we never want to force our fans to do anything, but it's going to force us as humans to really become more secure in our venues and be and be more safe and, and ultimately also more cleanly, I think what you're going to see is 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 this smartphone is going to become even more central to the experience. Whether you're in venue or you're out of venue, and not that it already hasn't, like I said, but it's even going to play more of a prominent role. You know, you're going to see an awful lot of retrofitting in buildings. You know, with with plexiglass and, and other things just to create safe environments. And then I think you know what what'll stick. 
hopefully is, you know, we've been focusing a lot about this is from a business intelligence perspective, we just got to be smarter in how we're running our business. And so we're going to be segmenting even more than we have in the past. And we're going to be looking at how we can use real-time business intelligence applications to influence fan behaviors to right now drive safer patterns in our venues. And then ultimately what that'll equate to is also driving, you know, more prosperous patterns relative to, you know, things like food and beverage, retail, um, so on and so forth, as we start to ramp back up to full capacity. So, you know, we're a long ways away from that right now, but I do think, you know, the, the infrastructure we're putting in place will allow us to be much, much, much more adaptable and a much more, um, I guess what I'll call impactful in, in our in our native experience within our venues than we have potentially in the past. Nick, we could, I, I could at least take a deep dive into all of those things you just mentioned because there's you know, some really great stuff there and, and, and lots of details, but uh, we'll leave it at that for now. Maybe we can pick up the conversation as we go into 2021 and, and find out how some of those uh, developments are going. But uh, for now, I just want to say thank you so much for, for taking the time, sharing some some really great insights and have a lot of respect for, for what you and, and the organization is doing there in, in Cleveland and uh, wishing you all the best for uh, for the new season and the new year. Oh, thank you, Jim, for having me on. And thank you to our friends at Ticket Manager, for, you know, leveraging each other and, and, and using each other in a positive way to grow insights and to grow greater um, depth and knowledge in regards to how people are doing and what they're doing within the industry is just going to make us all better. So I look forward to checking out the series. And, uh, and thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you very much, Nick. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching. And please join us again for the next episode in our All Access interview series.